0: Okay, so today's a our, our big topic for us today. We're going to talk about something that has been um, perplexing and also of interest of mine since I was studying nutrition uh, back in the day, uh, 20 years ago. It's been it's 20 big years day. ago. Yeah. Big day. You could call it D-Day. It's D-Day. It's get your D every day. Get some Gotta D. get that D. Gotta get your D. Love the D. Um, all right, stop it. We have people listening to us and that's not appropriate for children. I, vitamin D is very appropriate. Is that for what children. you're talking about? Okay, yeah, that's come what children on, need on. if they're going to avoid rickets, right? Needs it. Okay, we just talked over each other. And we just talked about that. Um, okay, so when I was in when I was in school, uh, getting my masters in nutrition, this was a topic that was basically my like research project, my my thesis, if you will. And I was looking at vitamin D um, deficiency. And vitamin D uh, analogs as treatment for potential uh, for people that suffer from MS, okay, multiple sclerosis. And uh, basically, I remember sitting down. I had some friends that played. I played tennis with, and they were neurologists, and a couple of them actually uh, specialized in MS. I know it's kind of crazy, but MS. And I brought this topic up about vitamin D. And they basically just like laughed at me and scoffed at me because at the time, 20 years ago, the idea that vitamin D was beneficial for one's immune system was crazy. It didn't do anything else other than bone homeostasis. That's it. That's all vitamin D was good for. Even though at the time we were seeing epidemiological studies that people who live in certain portions of the world, okay, who lack exposure to the sun and are chronically vitamin D deficient, uh, tend to have problems with autoimmune conditions in particular, and in other diseases, uh, in particular, multiple sclerosis. So it's very interesting that when I look back then, and I look now, all the literature, and pretty much everybody agrees vitamin D is essential for your immune system. It's crazy. And now vitamin D is everywhere. And, and you should be getting larger amounts of vitamin D than what was originally recommended uh, by dietitians and by the government and by the FDA.
1: What about the current medical, um, like, so I get my lab work done, right? And uh-huh. every time you get labs done, like, we now have this, this uh, way that we get the results on our, on our phone, on our app, MyChart. Mm-hmm. And um, it shows you the, the standard values of, of you know, where you should be above below or where you should be in between Um, that value. If you'd like, I could pull that up and tell you what that says. And maybe you could even clarify like if that is outdated because I'm curious because now I came up low. I got on vitamin D supplements, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, vitamin um, and it's a 500. No, I'm sorry. It's a 50,000. I think it's, I don't know if it's milligrams or whatever. It's fifty thousand units, whatever, most units, likely, yeah. yeah. And to be taken once a week. So I started taking it once a week. Well, obviously, fifty thousand sounds like a lot and is. My level went above the out. It went above and outside the the range. Mm-hmm. So then the doctor said, "Okay, no, you're good. You've got you're over. So let's just cut it back to once every two weeks." My well, it wasn't like crazy above. Mm -hmm. But it was outside by, you know, however many units. So I did that. And then now I went back and now the dietician is a part of the team said, no, you should just do it every, every week. Take those 50,000 every week, because if you're a little outside, that's not a big deal. That's not a problem. And so that's why I wonder if that, if that number is, is, is like you said, um, thought to be. Too low.
0: Well, that that's a great uh, question. The bottom line is we don't know. Okay, we we haven't known for a while, and there's still studies that need to be done uh, that should be conducted to uh, identify better identify the upper tolerable limit or the uh, level of toxicity from vitamin D. And the bottom line is that uh, you can become toxic with vitamin D because it is a fat soluble vit- vitamin. So you do store it within the liver, and you do store it within the fatty cells of your body. However, most people which is weird in an in a industrialized country, most people are deficient of vitamin D. And that you could say there's a number of reasons, because they're working in an office and they're not going outside and they're not experiencing the sun, they're not getting enough fatty fish or fish oil, um, eating enough mushrooms, things like that. Therefore they're not being exposed. Or they're eating fortified foods like milk or uh, cheese that are or yogurt that are fortified with vitamin D. But the point is, is that we don't know. So what we've done is we've been conservative with the dosage for vitamin D. And that standard that you're speaking to is the absolute minimum to maintain bone homeostasis. It does not necessarily include your immune system.
1: Okay. All right. So here's what I have here on this. I just pulled it up. This is the vitamin D25-hydroxy. That's right. That's um, the, circulating, by the physician.
0: That's the circulating form of vitamin D. It's not active. Okay. It's the circulating form within your blood supply.
1: Okay. So this says, Endocrine Society Clinical Practice Guidelines suggest a vitamin D target level of at least 30 NG-ML. Vitamin D hydroxy, then I'm at... Uh, it says here 13.0 to 47.0, and that's got the little green mm-hmm, target zone. Mm-hmm, I'm outside mm-hmm. that zone. I'm above 47.0. At, I'm at 52.4. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's not crazy above. We're looking at a range uh, from 13 to 47, fairly large range, very minimal, a little bit outside. So that's obviously, or most likely, not going to be a problem or cause a problem, but it just sets off the this... And this app it right. gives me a little exclamation point in red before I open the test, it says, check this, something's outside the limit.
0: Right. We just don't know. So it's yeah. And and for you, the, the the better question would be, do you need to supplement or do you need more sun exposure? You live in a place where it's chronic sun exposure. So if that's not working for you uh then do you need to supplement? And if so, how much do you need to supplement to make up for the lack of? Or are the foods that you're eating providing that as well? So what you might be doing is supplementing with a nutrient that you have plenty you have plenty of access to. Mm-hmm. Um but nevertheless uh, I, I don't. We don't know the answer that you're looking for with that. So right. the argument is: Do you go more? Do you go less? Uh, and then base it on how you um, on any side of side effects that you that you see present.
1: Okay. Well, I I would feel that I usually get outside enough and get sunlight um, between. Now I can't say that I've been kayaking on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but. Back then, and or I guess it doesn't really matter if it was oh right before that weekend that I saw the doctor, or that week before I saw the girl had the test done. Was I kayaking at a, at any time? Was I outside doing something? I mean, I'll tell you, you know, if I mow the grass, most most it's sadly once a month, even right. when it's overgrowing, right? But that's an hour right you're, there.
0: You're running in at night now,
1: and I I do run more at nighttime. Yeah. Um I working during the day outside of the day. A building. I do I have lately been getting outside walking at sunrise or just mm-hmm. after. Very so, good. and I do try to walk at sundown or sunset or around that time for both myself and the dog. Rocco, who's sleeping on the floor. Mm-hmm. He didn't get his walk this morning. Um, but that so that light I know, and my reason there was to get it into my eyes to set up that circadian rhythm, but mm-hmm. I wonder and and something that 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 I was that I heard with that was the that low level light exposure, that low level sun. Is there a difference, do you think, between that sunlight for vitamin D versus a higher sun, more sun, vitamin D later in the day? Mm-hmm. Do we not know, probably
0: no, no, we have a good understanding of that. It's not. Necessarily, just the light. Mm-hmm. It's the UVB portion of the light mm-hmm. that we need.
1: Just higher skin, in the midday.
0: Well, and you need heat. Okay. So the sun, the sun's rays, it, you know, they push out UVA and UVB radiation or wavelengths, and that interacts with your skin and it heats it up. The radiation causes a, a, a heat. That heat interacts with your skin to produce the pre-vitamin D. So, I mean, from what you know, you know that vitamin D largely comes from the sun from us and there is nutritional elements that we can use to supplement vitamin D or to get more vitamin D, uh, which either way is going to be shipped to our liver right away. But the, the, the point is, is that your body takes acetyl-CoA and it uses that, and I've got some notes here, it uses that and it makes uh, what's called 7-dehydrocholesterol, which is the pre-vitamin Uh, D4. Okay, let me, sorry. I'm sorry, D3. Provitamin D3. So it uses cholesterol and that, basically the acetyl-CoA goes through a process, a metabolic process and it makes 7-dehydrocholesterol, provitamin D3 and cholesterol. Okay? And the cholesterol shipped off to do another job like shipping nutrients around that will help make other hormones and steroids. So essentially you have this this uh, uh, pre-stage precursor to a steroid or hormone in your skin, and when the sun hits it, okay. So that's the seven-dehydro um, cholesterol, the pro-vitamin D three. When the sun hits that, and the heat heats up your skin, it releases um, what's called colecalciferol, uh, which is vitamin D three. Mm-hmm. Okay, that vitamin D three, which some people supplement with. Okay, that vitamin D three uh, goes straight to the liver. All right, it's circulating in your blood supply. It goes to the liver. Now, if you've eaten anything that contains vitamin D three, like the uh, like fish oil, okay, or supplements, that goes to your liver as well. And once your liver gets that, your liver uh, releases it or metabolizes it into calcidiol, otherwise known as twenty five hydroxy Okay, the twenty-five dihydroxycholecalciferol yep, is. is what they're testing in your blood supply. Right, that circulates throughout your whole body. Now, when I was in studying for my masters, they basically the argument was, well, uh, the the vitamin D receptor, also known as VDR, is re- located within the bone. We know that clearly, so vitamin D is only really active within the bone. But recently, about 10 to 15 years ago, maybe even longer than that, we discovered that VDR, uh, the receptors, lie in pretty much every tissue of the body, every cell of the body, especially the immune system. So the majority of the immune cells have this VDR. And that's what led us to believe that when vitamin D, uh, the 25-dihydroxycholcalciferol interacts with that receptor, it sets off a chain of events to strengthen your immune system, to calm your immune system down or to even help your immune system tolerate an event or an environment. So so that's like a really cool.
1: So say that one more time.
0: Yeah, it's really <laughs> cool. It's really cool. Vitamin D will tell your immune system to fight something and to, to keep your health, you healthy. It will tell your immune system, huh, don't don't go don't go crazy. Avoid that storm." Aka cytokine storm, mm-hmm. okay, or it'll say no, no, no. You've got to learn to tolerate this environment, okay, so it doesn't go crazy, but it doesn't suppress itself to where it can't fight back.
1: Okay, and that's so, called
0: tolerogenic. Tolerogenic. Okay, so it it can it really really manipulates your immune system to behave a certain way, and it it um we talked about this we talk about this every time it purposely will tell your genetics how to function. So it turns on your genes and it turns off your genes, which I think is the coolest thing. And based on that, that's how your immune system knows how to react. So there's more. So you have it floating around, the 25-dehydroxycholcalcephirol, vitamin D, D3, okay? When it gets to certain areas, particularly the kidneys, the immune cells, the colon, the lungs, the GI system, whatever it may be, even the skin. Um, It goes through another metabolic process and that's where it it has an effect either on your endocrine system to help you with hormonal production or it helps you with uh, your immunity, your innate immunity, which is what you were born with, right? So it strengthens that and sets it, you know, and wakes it up. Or it it, uh, improves the adaptive immune system, the immune system that you get from natural immunization as you grow, as you are exposed. Uh, and so this vitamin, this hormone, this steroid that we produce is, is really cool and it's mechanism and its travel. and when it's activated, it's no longer twenty five dehydroxy It now becomes one twenty five dehydroxy So the one twenty five is the the more is the active form. that's what sets off the chain of events that we just talked about, whereas the twenty five Dehydroxycoalcephalol is just a form that circulates within your blood. Hmm. Ain't
1: that cool? Yeah, I'm I'm I lost you for a second there, towards the end. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you need? Uh so we've got the twenty five circulating through the body. The right. twenty five um, hydro Di- Dehydroxy. 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 Dehydroxy 25-dehydroxy circulating through the system, through the body. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then the 125
0: Mm
1: -hmm. is what and does what?
0: It's the active form. So when that 25 uh, comes across like your immune system, Mm -hmm. and it has to attach to that VDR, that vitamin D receptor that we just talked about. Right. When it does that, it goes through a chemical process metabolism or a biological process if you will that process makes makes it into 125 when it's 125 that's when it has its action that's when it's okay working uh-huh. okay so that working uh, hormone that working vitamin at that point mm-hmm. is now ready to strengthen your immune system quiet it down or build up a tolerant environment
1: so when you're saying it strengthens the immune system, Mm -hmm. We're talking about specific cells or specific.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. it, It does it, uh, two different ways. It'll either, uh, wake up and put on alert, the innate immune system. Right. And help that get stronger, or it'll do that as well to the adaptive system, the system in which, you know, you have the T cells and the B cells. So it'll have an effect on them as well. And it's a different effect for both of them. Um, And then, and then of course this, the same one, the 125, that also has an effect on your stomach, which will help you or your intestines and your, um, when it interacts with your kidney, it'll help you absorb calcium, regulate calcium intake, phosphorus intake, and help you with your bone homeostasis. So, but going back to the immune system, I have a number of, uh, of articles here, which we can talk about, but basically what they find is that it modulates the immune system, It uh, differentiates the immune cells, such as the monocytes, Mm -hmm. the macrophages, the natural killer cells, okay? It um, will also do that to the T cells, in particular the T helper cells. It can help regulate the transformation of a T helper cell into a Treg cell. I don't know if you remember the Tregs. The Tregs are what were found in the uh, mucosal lining of the intestines. right? And they help identify... Food, which is a foreign particle Mm -hmm. uh, or a a bacteria or virus. And it has to identify that and it has to figure out which one to attack and which one to solve or which one to like leave alone. And so when you're talking about somebody with um, leaky gut syndrome, Mm -hmm. that's where the cells are like separated and a food particle goes in between that to inside your body, the immune system, the Treg cell will miss it. And your immune system can set off an autoimmune reaction. Well, the vitamin D will help you hold those tight junctions, the gap junctions, or mm. the adherons, the adherin junction, tight so the food particle can't slip past the intestinal wall. Okay. And then it also helps differentiate the Treg cells. It'll either turn them off or activate them so that they can better delineate whether a food particle is harmful or beneficial. Okay. If it's a bacteria, it'll attack it and prevent it from attacking the immune, the, the uh, getting through the mucosal lining and attacking the uh, intestinal cell, and then entering your body that via that way, and then call it wreaking havoc, making you sick. Okay. So vitamin D helps with a physical barrier, and it does that not only in the intestines or in the stomach, but it also does that in your throat. It does that in your uh, lungs. It does it in your nasopharynx. It does it throughout your whole GI system. So this is one way in which vitamin D helps protect you from something like COVID.
1: Okay, okay. right, which it enters through the The, the nose. nasopharynx. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. So, so this is another reason why vitamin D is very protective uh, against COVID. Now, I will say that a lot of the literature basically finds that vitamin D... Is very important when you get it as a prophylactic uh, or as a a preventative. So a lot of people who have uh, who develop osteoporosis tend to develop it because they had vitamin D deficiencies when they were younger. Okay, and Mm. then the osteoporosis develops. How younger? Well, it's very important to get a lot of vitamin D, a lot of like get your bone healthy, like right before adolescence and through adolescence. Okay. The amount of bone that you create during that time frame yeah. is what you're going to have for the rest of your life. And then as you know, when we get to about the age of 30, roughly around that point, you mm-hmm. start to lose bone, a percentage of bone mm-hmm. every year, and a percentage of muscle as well. And so right. it's very important at that point to do some physical activity that will basically help
1: you keep your bones strong. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. I I've, I've had recently been thinking about myself and and other people at a younger age, adolescent, Mm -hmm. working out, getting strong, doing, you know, living a certain, I guess, lifestyle um, for athletic purposes, sport purposes. And I felt like because I did that then, it left me more equipped, more suitable, left my body, it set my body up to always be able to kind of Go back and start again, right? Without having to redevelop that base, almost, if you will. Um, Makes you look, look like Mark Wahlberg, right? Well, not necessarily, but I think that I see other people at you know a, a mid to later stage of their life mm-hmm. who struggle to kind of get that base built to then put on more strength or muscle or bone mass. And so that so that kind of makes sense. That almost almost validified what I my my hypothesis of early age exercise strength training will develop a body or will will basically, you know, make a body that is ready to do that at any phase or at any stage or life of life.
0: Right. Um, so so I don't know if you know the story of rickets. Basically, um, I believe it was in, uh, an English scientist. They discovered the vitamin D, mm. but uh, at the time before they discovered vitamin D, there was a, a plague of rickets among children. Rickets is where the uh, the bones are immature and the uh, legs bow out a little bit, and it renders them uh, as a deformity as they grow older. And what some signs, what some physicians discovered. Was that if you expose them to sunlight for a period of time, it helps prevent rickets. Okay. Again, though, if you are deficient with your vitamin D, you're going. Your immune system is going to struggle. If you are really, really deficient in your vitamin D, your bone is going to struggle. So it's there's kind of like a hierarchy of importance or uh, multiple functions of vitamin D. It does multiple things, right? And it works with other nutrients. It doesn't work by itself. It strengthens your immune system with vitamin A and vitamin E and it works with selenium and it works with iron and it works with calcium and phosphorus uh, and vitamin C, which is why, you know, during the COVID crisis, people who took a list of vitamins like vitamin C and the B vitamins and D did, you know, do very well. And It helps a lot. But if you struggle to get those nutrients at a young age, you've lost that base. Mm-hmm. I'm idealistic though. So I don't think that. Once you don't have it, you can never get it back. This is an idealistic viewpoint from mine. I think you can. I just think it's harder and more right. timely yeah. um, to build that base. I think you can always build a base, but the, at the time that you're building the base, you're vulnerable.
1: Right. Okay. I mean, in, in that that's logical. Uh, it, well, took, it takes time to, to build it. And if you're in the middle of growing, you know, you, when you're a child and you're growing yeah. and building it then, I mean, it's not built overnight when you're a kid. It takes 18, 20 years to, to fully get to your mature body, um, but and you're also in the state of growing versus once you hit that certain age, you're not growing, you're almost devolving or de- you know, you're losing at that point.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so you the- have
1: to do enough to counteract that loss and also then gain more of that point. That's right. So that makes perfect sense. So the
0: stronger the base, the better off you're going to be. Right. Well, the same thing is true about your immune system. The stronger your immune system is initially, okay, that when you do come across an infection, it's less likely to impact you. If you have a frail immune system and you get hit with an infection, well, obviously, it's going to hit you very hard. So what we've seen with vitamin D is that if you get an infection, a respiratory infection, such as covid and then you start taking a bunch of vitamin D, your body's trying to play catch up. Right. And it's going to help it, but it's trying to build that base again. And then it's trying to fight it at, at the same time. Right, And it's not necessarily very well prepared. But if you get it beforehand, this is the important part. If people address their health as soon as possible, before they even have health problems, or before they're at risk or vulnerable to health problems, If they set that strong foundation, that base by getting enough vitamin D and vitamin A and E and getting all that stuff, then when they do get hit by something, guess what? They can bounce back quicker. It's less uh, um, there's less of a sequela from it, and that's the biggest thing. We really have to set people up to succeed as opposed to catching up.
1: Right. Um, And you know, I hear a lot of people saying they're not hearing that advice, that recommendation going out in regards to COVID, like, hey, guys, let's make a push to get healthy. However, we have heard that throughout our lives. Every time you go to the doctor, he usually tells you, you really need to do, you need to stop eating your fried foods, your fast foods, these and that, and get your vegetables, get your fruits, get your vitamins. I mean, that is that that message is out there, but it's almost to the point that We've heard it so much that we don't hear it anymore, even though it's still present. And it's almost at the point from our end and or a doctor's end that he said it so much and continues to say it. It's almost just like a, a automatic, you know, there's like a little no, like there's a stamp on there.
0: I disagree with you completely. Really? I really do. I, I think maybe that was the mainstay 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's starting to become more of a mainstay, but Physicians do not receive a strong nutritional education. Okay. This is something that is really aggravating to dietitians, who uh, are really like a specialist. And you can argue whether or not the information they're getting is tainted or nutritional information or research is very difficult and corrupted and whatnot. And that's, that's a valid discussion. Mm-hmm. But physicians know as much about nutrition, they know a little bit more than the layman but they really they understand metabolism that's the best way to say it okay. they understand the metabolic pathways but they don't really understand the 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 small little quirks the nuances of nutrition that's the problem so if they don't understand those little quirks they don't discuss it very often but when you do have a physician who who discovers this that and the other and it works for them or it works for a family member or for a set of patients and they start to see those nuances and those quirks mm-hmm. that's when they start educating their their patients, and that's few and far between, right? And your your functional medical med, uh, your functional medical docs are primarily most of them are DOs. They're the ones that are leading the charge on it when it comes to nutrition, right? But here's here's an example. You're you're talking about all this communication about you know nutrition and whatnot. A lot of people don't understand that vitamin D is is an animal fat vitamin. It is strongly related to cholesterol, strongly. That's why it's so readily available in fatty fish and shellfish, which are high in cholesterol, but very high in the B vitamins, the vitamin A, vitamin E. They're high in iron, zinc, and selenium, but high and very high in vitamin D. Mushrooms, especially those that are uh, sun-dried, are extremely high in vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And if you're not getting that, then you have to rely on two other pathways, either sun exposure And it depends on what environment you're living in and what time of day you're going out. Are you getting that heat? And the other one is maybe fortified foods, things that are like where they put vitamin D3 analogs in there, such as orange juice or yogurts and cheeses and milks. So if you're vegan, which part of that are you really getting your vitamin D? Mushrooms, possibly, Mm -hmm. and sun, sun exposure. Right. But that really limits your your options for the nutrient. And that's vitamin D. That's not vitamin E and vitamin A and vitamin K. And I mean, they're getting vitamin K from other sources, but they're not getting iron. We talked about iron. The B vitamins, they they lack on the v, B. So the idea about you have to be plant strong, you have to be uh, go towards more of a vegan mentality is not true for everybody. I think that it's good for some people, but I think there's genetic consequences. I think there's genetic predispositions that some people benefit from that type of diet, but others don't. They, they, they require um, a larger source. So if you're living in Scotland, you probably are not getting enough sun exposure. And being a vegan, where you're only eating mushrooms to get your vitamin D versus supplementation, which isn't regulated, probably isn't the best way to go. You probably should have some fatty fish, which they have fatty fish up there and she- right. and, and shellfish. Which would be a large uh resource for vitamin D. Well,
1: I think of Scotland or uh, uh I think of um, fish and chips <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> among other things, but I don't you know, think that's Scottish, uh, man. I think that's no, in, I think it's maybe English. It's, maybe it's English, Ireland, <laughs> Ireland, maybe. I mean, I go to okay, Irish, Irish pubs, fish and chips. I see it.
0: Maybe maybe it's all the way. It certainly
1: is is, you know, England fish and chips too, but so, and oftentimes this is probably uh fault of my own Irish, Scottish kind of blend the two, mix the two.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's what you're doing. I
1: hope that doesn't get us canceled.
0: But, but the point that I'm trying to basically try to tell you is that there is a message to eat right. better, to eat right. healthy. And there's this preconceived notion of what healthy is. Right. Everybody, for the most part, thinks what they know what healthy is. And that's what we battle with all the time. Uh, but the, the mainstream idea of what healthy is and what proper nutrition is it, uh, lacks those nuances, right. lacks that genetic data that that person doesn't yet that we right. don't really understand that we're, we're going we're going there, but we don't re- we're not really there. But the, the, the argument is that just because they think what's healthy or what they've been told is healthy is not necessarily what is healthy, right? That's my point. And so people are confused. They hear this, they hear that. They're carnivore, go carnivore, go paleo, go keto, go vegan, go vegetarian, go, uh, you know, all these different routes, um, low carb, high carb. The the point is they don't know the nuances in their own body, let alone the nuances of nutrition. And they're so confused about nutrition. And, and then at the same time you have in multiple industries that are trying to make you addicted to food.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Without giving you the truth behind food. So you come back and spend more money so they can make billions right. and billions of dollars.
1: And of course their food is com- almost completely void of nutrition Yeah. whatsoever.
0: Yeah. But I go back to like, if you buy a Big Mac meal at, 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 uh, at McDonald's.
1: Don't tempt me now. I, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> Haven't had a Big Mac in years. <laughs> How
0: much of that meal, that combo, you get the burger, the fries and mm-hmm. the, the, the drink. How much, what percentage of that is animal based? And what percentage of that is plant-based?
1: Um, it, I, I've heard you ask this question before. And I think to best give you an answer, you would almost have to weigh the food and go by weight. You because can go otherwise, by weight. You, if you go by, say, ingredients, I don't know if it's a true comparison. Because you can say, well, you've got the burger patty, the meat patty. Mm-hmm. That's your meat. Okay, and the cheese. one or two. Oh, and the cheese. Okay, maybe, okay, the sauce, a little mayo.
0: Well, but mayo is mostly made of soybean oil.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay, then that's going to be about it. Because then you can go with the bread, the pickles, the lettuce, the sesame seed bun. Oh, man, <laughs> uh, I should not have done this hungry. Fry, <laughs> the fries. The French fries, potatoes. Which is,
0: the fries are, you know, they are fried in vegetable
1: oil. right.
0: You know, so I'm not arguing against veganism, but what I'm trying to say is, if it was density, if it was weight, if it was the amount of items, I would I would argue that the percentage of animal products in that in that meal is very
1: low. Is it very low, or is it less than?
0: I would say I would say low. I okay. would, but I would certainly the most accurate way to say it is probably, or the safer way to say it is less than. But even then. That being the case, are you getting those nutrients like you had, you had said, right? Right. I mean,
1: are those vegetables, the vegetable and grain side of that meal, very nutritious? Furthermore, is that beef patty even nutritious beef?
0: Exactly. That, that beef... Exactly.
1: But any of this stuff from any of the big chains, big uh, corporate fast foods, those farms and the, that they're using to grow and to produce the, the meat are, are not healthy, produce healthy food producing farms. Like oh, their yeah. soil, their grass, their, their everything is so overused and run down and just lacking the nutrition in to begin with.
0: And that that meal is jam-packed with carbohydrates, mostly processed sugar, which is different than natural sugars. Fat, okay? And it's not necessarily animal fat now. There's a lot of other vegetable oils within that. All right? And salt. Three ingredients that we already already know sugar is 10 times more addictive than heroin. Heroin, Mm -hmm. which is considered the most addictive drug in the world. Okay? uh, Sugar is more addictive than heroin. You add salt to that, now it's even more addictive, and you add fat in there. Well now you're changing the person's palate. Mm-hmm. You're mixing that palate because in nature, in nature, you don't see high carbohydrate, sugary foods that are high in fat. Okay, when we're talking about a whole food perspective, you right. don't see high fat, high protein foods, or just high fat foods that are high in sugar too. That combination doesn't go together. Right. But now with these processed yeah. foods, you have the three those three uh, uh, nutrients are intermingled and manipulated because they know it's going to be addictive. They know they've known that for a long time. And if it's addictive, okay, it brings you back to crave it. And if your cravings get strong enough, you're going to indulge. And if you're going to indulge, you might even binge, but you're going to, what you're going to do, you're going to spend some money. Exactly. 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 But anyway, we'll go, we'll move on from that. So, uh, basically when vitamin D is uh, introduced to the body and the liver processes it into the circulating 25 cholecalciferol, uh, vitamin D3, it circulates throughout the bloodstream. And then when it hit, hits certain like target cells, particularly macrophages, monocytes, natural killer cells, dendritic cells, a bunch of immune cells, okay, T cells and B cells, what it does is it modulates the immune system. So it it leads to an anti-inflammatory effect. It will instinctively tell the T-cells to uh, calm down a bit, okay, and help regulate their transformation into other immune cells that will either give you a physical barrier or or, um, produce chemotoxins to kill bacteria or viruses or other forms of uh, harmful infection. It will, um, (laughs) this is interesting, It will, so it helps uh, prevent uh, inflammation. Uh, So it's an anti inflammatory at times. It will help prevent antifibrotic tissue from developing, which is big in in therapy when we have patients that are scarring over all the time. It uh, it helps with um, reducing reactive oxygen species. What does that sound like? That means that it acts as an antioxidant, a fat soluble steroid vitamin. That is essential for our health can act as an antioxidant. And that's Embody. A, 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 a Embody a uh, published this research that made those claims. You have Yamenza Sosa, who also supports the anti inflammation and, and shows that her studies have shown that it increases the immune system's response to an infection, in particular respiratory infections, AKA COVID or the flu or pneumonia. Um, Bishop Bishop was very interesting. Bishop had a lot of information from her studies, where she basically found that uh, it activates and suppresses macrophages and gen- dendritic cells. Macrophages are what goes in and eats the uh, infection or damaged tissue, and then it goes to the lymphos- the the, um, the uh, um, lymphatic um, via the lymphatic system to the uh, lymph node. And basically, uh, it's short-lived. It, it, it dies rather soon, rather quickly, because it, it, it engulfed that infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it regulates, uh, stimulates, and suppresses genetic expression that will help with antimicrobial peptides. So it, and that, what that means is that it actually stimulates your immune system to release antimicrobial peptides that will break the membrane barrier of the infection to kill that infection. All right? It will uh stimulate pattern recognition receptors. That means what that's doing is it's telling the immune system, hey, you've seen this infection before, you mm-hmm. know how to fight it, you know what to do, go do your job. It uh it, it calms down pro-inflammatory cytokines, it can ramp them up, but it can pr- it slows it down too. And it calm and it releases or stimulates anti-inflammatory cytokines and chemokines. And how many times have you heard about that? Uh, cytokine storm from COVID, vitamin D helps to keep that at bay so you don't have an overreaction of your immune system. Uh, Bishop also found that the uh, the, uh, vitamin D enzymes that uh, that are present, they are expressed in all the cells of the innate and adaptive immune uh, system. That's how we know that it helps your immune system. Uh, Bishop also, let me find some more information from Bishop here. No, I'm sorry. I, I got Bishop mixed up with Bay, but we'll talk about Bay in a second. Preetle also supports the idea that vitamin D has an antimicrobial effect on macrophages and monocytes. It enhances their chemotaxis and phagocytic capabilities. It helps increase their antimicrobial peptides again. It, it doesn't only fight against bacterial and viral infection, but it also fights against fungi infections. Hmm. Okay. Um, it has been shown time and time again to decrease respiratory infections. It helps with COPD and it also helps with allergenic responses, allergies. Mm-hmm. It uh, and, and Brito also discovered that it regulates T and B and B cells. Um, it also has been shown to decrease autoimmune disease again, because of the physical barrier and it's uh, manipulation to the uh, immune cells within the, uh, the gut wall, but throughout the body. Credo found that um, it inhibits B cells from differentiating or proliferating so they don't get out of hand, okay? It'll initiate apoptosis, which means is that it tells a cell, if a cell is infected, sometimes a cell is programmed to die, or if the cell is damaged or something bad happened, that cell will commit suicide. That's what apoptosis means. Well, vitamin D can encourage that or lead to that. And that cell does not do that. Then the infection can spread Mm -hmm. or even a tumor can develop. So that's an important process. It also helps decrease immunoglobulin production. Immunoglobulins are, uh, those, um, those innate antibodies that we produce that can cause a strong immune reaction. So this will help suppress it a little bit so that we don't have too strong of a reaction, uh, it uh it causes autoreactive, anti um it regulates B cell production of auto uh, reactive antibodies within autoimmune di- uh, diseases. Um, it will shift the immune system from a pro inflammatory state to an anti inflammatory state. It'll shift it. Okay, and then it creates an environment for what's called tolerogenic immune status. So, being that you have COVID. Mm-hmm okay? You're going to get a cytokine storm because you're trying to fight this viral infection, but vitamin D will help your immune system calm down and tolerate the environment so that way it doesn't overreact and hurt the host, the body.
1: You've mentioned this cytokine storm several times. Quickly tell tell us what that um, what that is or what, what's happening there.
0: Okay. So when you have like an infection or you have um, inflammation, you're, well, I should say an infection. So let's say you sprain your ankle, or you get a bacterial infection that's mm-hmm. inter- introduced via um, drinking after somebody, um, or even a viral infection. Uh, what your body does is it'll re- uh, your adaptive immune system will release cytokines. Mm-hmm. Some cytokines will have an anti-inflammatory effect, and mm-hmm. some have a pro-inflammatory effect. During the initial infection or the initial damage to the body from the ankle sprain, you want an anti-inflammatory effect. Uh, When you have those cytokines come in, they're basically going to destroy the damaged tissue that's no longer viable or try to destroy foreign particles like the virus, the bacteria, the fungi, Uh, which is great. That's exactly what you want to do. But Mm -hmm. in that process, that's when you start to swell too, okay? So you have this inflammation, this inflammatory reaction. Along with the swelling, you also get increased temperature like a fever, because that's designed to basically de- uh, degrade the protein or destroy the protein like you would if you were cooking meat. Right. Okay. So it, it tries to cook that, that infection. If that goes on and on and on and it's uncontrolled, it can cause damage to the host, damage to, to you, yourself. So you want it to, to happen. But for a brief period of time, clean that area out of all the infection or the damaged tissue, so that way your body can start setting up for the biological band aid portion, mm. and then start to remodel the tissue. Okay, okay, for the healing effect. The cytokine storm happens when it's a strong response. So if you had COVID, and it's within your lungs or your respiratory system, and you have the all these cytokines come into the lungs to fight this infection, it's going to Come with that swelling. It's going to come with that fever. It's going to come with the chills. It's going to come with all those side effects. Mm-hmm. And okay. what happens is those lungs could fill with could fill up with fluid. Okay, you get this strong cytokine storm. It could lead to clotting in the blood. It can lead to negative consequences because it's got a, such a strong, robust gotcha. um, attack. And so you want an attack, but you don't want it to be too strong. Got it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the best way to develop an analogy for that.
1: Like, I think I, I think that does, I think that explained it though.
0: Yeah, I almost I want know. to say like it's like a war, and if you're at war, like say Iraq, right? When mm-hmm. we're in Iraq or Afghanistan, you want such an overwhelming response to shut your enemy up, right? Say the Taliban, and so you bomb the shit out of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if you bomb the shit out of them too much, what you end up doing is killing innocent right. civilians. Yeah and destroying um, sacred artifacts or buildings, which then later uh, basically leads to more resistance uh, down the road. Or maybe you run out of supplies, and then now you're in a weakened state to be attacked. I hope that analogy helps a bit. That does. Okay. So again, it it helps with genetic expression. Um, I, I have a ton of stuff here, but I think I pretty much covered the majority of it. Um I don't I can get technical. I don't know if that's what you want me to do.
1: You haven't got technical yet?
0: <laughs> there's there's more, there's a lot more. Oh, here's a cool thing too. We've talked about in the past that fasting is beneficial for people yeah. because of autophagy. You remember that?
1: I don't remember exactly what autophagy means, but I remember fasting and how, how it's helpful.
0: So autophagy is when your body has cells that are um, cells that are no longer doing a good job. They're kind mm-hmm. of breaking down to degrade it a bit there. Um, the time for them to be cleaned up or taken away is at hand and your body does it for you. It ships the old red blood cells to the spleen so they can be refurbished. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes old skin cells and it moves it to the surface so it can be flaked off. Um, it gets rid of the old and, and brings in the new essentially. Okay. So autophagy is important in the sense that you're you're revamping. Right. Okay. So when
1: you fast, you're not putting food in the belly, in the stomach, your body doesn't have to deal with the food. It for you know, has nothing better to do other than get rid of old cells, clean up a bit, clean That's house. Right.
0: That's right. Spring cleaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, if you're constantly eating all the time, when does your stomach and your intestines ever take a break? Right. So this allows it to take a break and recover, essentially. So, vitamin D helps with autophagy. It okay. helps the immune system recognize when cells need to be replaced. I mean, I mean, if you think if you think about it, man if if how, if you have a broom, right, and that broom <laughs> breaks on you, and breaks on you, and breaks on you, but you don't stop using it, eventually the broom doesn't do what it's intended to do. Ooh. Eventually, you have to get rid of the broom and get a new broom. So that it can do its job. Or at least tape it back together. Duct tape? Duct tape. I use electrical tape for everything. Is that okay?
1: Um. Eh, yeah, no, no. It's got to be, I think the duct tape. Duct it's tape. wider, it's wider, it's wider. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, and it, it holds up a little bit better. You know, my broom, eventually, like I, the bristles, I had to tape the bristles straight again because <laughs> they all start to like flop to one side. And then you know what ended up working. Instead of using it like to sweep, I just had the tape. I put the sticky stuff on the outside, so now I'm just like dabbing around, just picking up all the dirt on the tape. That's so cool. that way I don't have to dust pan it and lift this this pile of stuff. And then you pan it, and then it's a line of dirt. And it's like you can never get that last little bit of line. So duct tape, boom.
0: So much for working harder versus smarter, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think we pretty much covered everything about the uh, about vitamin D. Um, extremely important for the immune system, and let's and and let's go back. Uh, vitamin D is stored within the fat cells, and right. it's used for a number of things. But it, it is help, helpful in the production of cholesterol.
1: Now, so, you yeah, we mentioned cholesterol. I was going to stop you early, early on because you said it several times. It's like that's a dirty word, man. Cholesterol, we don't want that.
0: Yeah, but it's a precursor to hormones. I mean, it's really, really valuable. Yeah, I mean, and we 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 forget to to think that like. Our brain makes a quarter of the uh, cholesterol that we need every day. So if it was so harmful, why the hell would it be so important to our brain alone? Well, because your brain is mostly fat. And your brain has to make a lot of things like hormones and neurotransmitters. And they require uh, uh, fatty molecules to do that. They need a precursor. And those those nutrients do that for you. But neither there. I guess... Hopefully one day, you know, people have a better understanding. And this yeah. is why meat is so important. This is why fat can be so, so vital.
1: So to recap, let me see if I've got this straight. We get, we get, get a proper amount of sunlight, a good amount of sunlight. Um, we can also get that vitamin D from our fatty fish, fish oils. Mm-hmm. Um that vitamin again gets into our gets into our system. It uh, gets spread sent out through the body. I was going to ask you about this too. So it sounds like the more or the the amount that we have in that twenty five D high. Hydroxy. Um, We want to have a, a, a nice store of that throughout the system so that when something does get into our, our body, a bacteria or an assault on our body is somewhere specific, say, be it the, the throat, the nose, the lungs, um, the GI area, there's enough hydroxy everywhere that in that specific zone, it recognizes what's going on. And at that point... First of all, even before that happens, it's already fortifying. It's increasing the barrier Mm -hmm. of our system. So our nose, our barrier through the sinus, the, and through the throat and through the lungs, that barrier is already strong enough to withstand most of the infections that are almost constantly getting in. Most of the bacteria that are constantly getting in, zaps them, no problem. We don't even notice something serious comes in, does get through that barrier, really wrecked its way through there. COVID and. Then it starts to almost set off the alarm or set the siren, like cue the other, the other, the T cells and and our our immune system to get on to get in here. Go and it also yep. supports them, helps strengthen them when they attack, when they start going to work.
0: Yep. Um, so you're you're pretty yeah you've got it okay. You want to have a steady supply that's circulating your bloodstream, mm, which is why they test, they do those lab tests on yep. you. Okay. Because that's not testing the fat to see how much vitamin D you have, all right? Right. It's not testing the liver about what it has and what it's metabolizing. It's testing what's in within your bloodstream. It's not active, so it's not going to do anything as of yet. But what it does do is when your immune system is ready to fight something or your immune system knows that something is wrong, mm-hmm. it's there to get it going. Whether it's to calm down, tolerate a situation, suppress something from overreacting, or beating the shit out of it. That's what the vitamin D is there for. And again, if you don't have the other nutrients, like vitamin A, vitamin E, and selenium, you're you're really, you don't have enough tools to fight back. I mean, we talked about vitamin A being useful for genetic expression to to equip and develop your immune system. Well, vitamin D does the same thing. They need each other. They need each other. Again, vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin. Okay, and so is vitamin and the B vitamins. They're water-soluble. So they're circulating as well, helping out your neurological system, helping your immune system. But if you don't have that fat-soluble piece like vitamin A, D, and E, then they're not able to handle, they can't handle everything. They can't handle everything. So the fat solubles are there to handle, help handle the rest. Right. And they work together in what's called synergy. Okay, it's a synergistic reaction to give you the best chance at survival. But here's the cool thing. So your liver metabolizes that. Your thyroid, your parathyroid especially helps regulate what vitamin D is going to be used for. So the parathyroid is going to help tell the vitamin D, hey, you need to go and help out, support the bones, make the bones stronger. Um, and it or it goes to the stomach and say, hey, stomach, absorb more calcium, all right, and 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 retain the calcium that we have, so it's not leached from the bone, all right. Because calcium is important. If you don't have enough calcium, then you can't move your muscles. You cannot contract your muscles, which means your heart. And mm. that means more to your body than having strong bones. So the bones is a storage facility for calcium that is used for muscular contraction. Okay. That sounds ain't, quite interesting. Ain't that cool? The bones are a storage facility. They protect you. Yeah. They encase things. They, they allow you to move and act as levers. But they are really a storage facility of calcium and other, and phosphorus and magnesium and some other things that help you keep muscle working. So if you are not, if your heart is not beating sufficiently because you have a calcium deficiency, your body will leach calcium from the bones to keep the heart going. So the rest of the body can function. Okay. That vitamin D is very important to regulate that calcium. Right. That parathyroid controls that. We'll talk about that down the road. Yeah. But the parathyroid is very important. So a healthy thyroid, healthy parathyroid is very helpful for that. The healthy kidney, healthy liver. And then it helps again, activate that immune system and keep that immune system doing its job. But if you don't have a strong base, then your vulnerability to getting sick is just that much higher. Sadly, unfortunately. So people need to get outside, you know, I mean, I think the gym is important, but really like, fuck the gym, get outside and do some extra, do some physical activity outside. You'll be happier. Yeah. I mean, when you exercise, I mean, have you ever had seasonal syndrome?
1: I don't think so. You ever heard of it? I've heard of it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's basically the premise you're not getting any sun exposure. You're not getting the vitamin D.
1: And therefore, you feel a little depressed, right? You're talking about because it's winter time. You're inside. The sun is hidden behind all the snow clouds and and or the dark skies. Uh, so you're not you're not outside. You're not getting that light. That's
0: right. And you feel a little worn down a little bit. Okay. And you and, it, and when I was reading through the literature, this is a really interesting. I, I find this to be very interesting. The majority, the the peak time of the uh, vitamin D deficiency occurs at the end of winter. Mm-hmm. The peak time of vitamin D uh, storage or um, exposure is at the end of summer. right? Okay. So at the end of the summer, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because right. of the sun and whatnot. And then you go through the fall and the winter. And at the end of winter is when you tend to be the most efficient, mm-hmm. especially depending on where you live. Um, if you're living in like Northern Michigan, you only get so many years of, su- of sunlight. Right. Well, that also mirrors the time frames of when... The flu is the worst, right? or when uh, uh, other infections are the worst. You know, COVID, COVID will be gone by the summer. Well, this is the reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a potential. I wouldn't say it's the reason, but this is one of the reasons why you well, had you combine that, that.
1: You combine that, the exposure is which it, it sounds like it builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. So you're getting more sun, getting more sun, you're getting more vitamin D. The levels go up. You keep getting it through the summer, they go up, they go up, they hit that peak. you stop going outside. And then it starts to drop. Combine that with the fact that you're inside with potentially other people who do go to work and go places and be with other people who are inside and now you're just spreading everything indoors mm-hmm. and you don't have those levels of vitamin D and other other, you know, immune defenses. So the sicknesses go up.
0: That's right. So you need to have a robust base. Mm-hmm. Then you need to build upon that base, have like readily available equipment. Mm -hmm. And then when you go through periods of drought, like the winter time, you're less vulnerable to fight the infection or, uh, whether it's fungi, bacterial or virus or any, or or an injury, you know, you sprain your ankle again, you're less vulnerable and more capable to recover, to heal, and then to redevelop. I like those stages a lot. When I talk with my patients, I'll tell them this is the time for recovery and healing. There's a framework here. There's a time frame. We talk about it all the time. There's uh, the rate of tissue healing. If you're a physical therapist and you don't know what the rate of tissue healing is, then you need to go and you need to look that up because that is a great way to communicate with your patients so they have a better understanding of the process and a better understanding of why it takes so much time to strengthen a tissue anatomically versus neurophysiologically. It's a better understanding, helps them better understand why a ligament takes longer to heal versus muscle. And then you can communicate better with a physician or help remind a physician or another provider or a pharmacist or that patient, hey, you tore your ACL. This is why it takes you one to two years to fully recover. We're listening to Joe, Who uh, um, was a Joe Buck the other night talking about uh, um, Joe Burrows during the mm-hmm. Cincinnati game. And he's talking about, well, He's not quite um, back yet with the ACL, but usually the players are not back until the year after right. the 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 uh, the yeah. Well, sorry, a year after the surgery, two years after the injury. Well, again, you go back to the timeline: ligaments, fascia, articular cartilage, meniscus, disc, labrums, tendons. They take because of the collagen and because of the blood flow. They take one to two years to fully heal. All right. So we need to we need to understand that. We need to understand that. And then at the same time we need to understand this is the point we recover. We're not going to be aggressive. This is the point to finish healing. Let's stay mobile. And then this is the point where we're going to develop you so you're less vulnerable down the road. Right. And the same is true about vitamin D. Kids, get your vitamin D. Let your kids go outside and play in that hot sun.
1: Yeah. Which isn't, I think, being done as much now as it was when we were kids, and yeah. certainly not when our parents were kids. It's sad
0: because I think there's so many different things. I mean, like down here, we had what we had red tide and blue green algae, mm. and then you had all the the death to the fish. So you can't if you fish, you got to throw them back. You got to be careful of certain types of fish. Then you had COVID, and you're locked in, and and you're afraid of like. Child molesters, so kids don't get to go outside and, and play around. And, and, and you're scared about everything. And so your right. freedom is just ratchet down. Yeah. You know? And then you're busy yourself. You can't, you know, you have inflation going on. The economy's not doing well. You have to have two parents work at the same time. And then when the kids come home, they got to do that massive amount of home. So what, what are we doing to ourselves? Yeah. We're, we're killing ourselves, man. We're, we're killing each other. We're not helping each other at all live the best life that we could possibly have. I think, I don't know about you, but that's just me.
1: Well, I don't have kids for starters, so I don't have to worry about that. Heads up. I'm coming home.
0: Oh, you know, we should also talk about the, the fact that the majority of um, people that struggle with COVID, COVID were obese, right? Okay. They're obese. And then you have the majority of people, that struggle with COVID, it wasn't as high as obesity, but it was also type two diabetes. Okay. These are the same individuals that are probably not getting the right amount of nutrition. They're probably the same individuals that also are sedentary and not having that exposure to to the sun to get the nutrient. At the same time, you have individuals the, the black population were hit the hardest by COVID, and a lot of people uh, would go back and forth to a lot of like the social, uh, psychosocial, cultural, uh, economic situations. And I think that has a lot to do with it too, with the uh, available nutrition and whatnot. But also uh, one would say that uh, if you're black, you have a resistance in your skin to sunlight and heat, Uh, melanin. Mm -hmm. Melanin is produced, so that way you are less likely to um, burn your skin. It's what you do, your body, your skin cells produce it to adapt to sun exposure. So that's that's why you get a tan, that's why you get a, you know. So you are less resistant to burning your skin. So again, if you're out in the sun too long and you get a, a sunburn, that's equivalent to putting your hand on a stove and burning it. You're getting like, uh, you're getting, um, oh, what's it? Uh, what do I want to say here? It's like uh, a type one burn versus a type two mm-hmm. versus type three. Um, and of course, the higher the number, the the more relevant the burn is. Right. Um, so if you're black, you get less, uh, less of that vitamin that UVP exposure uh, penetration and less of that heat ex- uh, penetration so the point I'm trying to make there is that they may require more uh, a larger amount of time more exposure to the Sun to produce to basically initiate the vitamin D production within their skin uh, especially if they have uh, um, uh, if they have less access to the nutrients to the foods that would provide these nutrients so they 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 need to be more uh, vigilant with their with their environment perhaps, and then if they can up their vitamin D, which was shown to be rather low for the black population during COVID, uh, they may they may have a better fighting chance uh, against COVID and other uh, respiratory infections like flu
1: and COPD and whatnot. Right. So, well, there you have it. Vitamin D and a. Very a rather large nutshell.
0: It's it's but it's cool, man. I got to tell you, I, I it's nice to see uh, the opinion, the perspective turn on it because when I was studying vitamin D, it was uh, not fun being laughed at. You know, thinking that it was going to be um, talking with people that were the so-called experts that it was important for the immune system. It you know you don't want to be the outsider, but <laughs> it's so funny how things change. Over such a short period of time. Yeah. So, anyway, that's why you got the mushrooms in the windowsill. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Eat your mushrooms, especially if they're sun dried, and not just the psychedelic kind, the uh, edible kind, the uh, gourmet kind. Gourmet. Gourmet. Mm. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else to add, man, or are we good? No, I think we're good. Okay. We can cut it up, make it real short. I hope this was. Not too complicated. I hope it was an enjoyable conversation. Uh, And I hope it was very informative for people. Again, we're doing this. uh, We want to provide this service as a free um, commodity for everybody. Uh, However, we do uh, ask for if anybody wants to uh, donate to our Patreon account, it would help us stay alive. And then also, 25% of our proceeds will go towards uh, certain foundations like the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, which suffers quite a bit from respiratory infections. Uh, it'll also go towards um, the Muscular Dystrophy Association. I want to help those those kids out as much as we can. And then also um, SMA, Spinal Muscular Atrophy Association as well. Please help us help them and then also help us to keep this podcast alive so we can give you some interesting inter- interviews uh, when we can and then also give you um, important PSAs such as this where we talk about how nutrients or how physical um, activities and modalities can affect your health for the better without you having to pay an arm and a leg for it. So if you could please uh, donate, that would be helpful. Uh, the other thing is we're going to go into our... It's coming down to the wire. You know that, right? We're almost there, yeah. We're, we're almost, almost there. through our first year. Almost done with the first year, man. It's, it's been great. Um, but we want to send a shout out and say thank you to... Uh, uh, the, those that inspired us and those that really um, helped us get our, you know, our big boy pants on and pull this podcast off. So thank you, Joe Rogan. Thank you, Adam Meekins. Thank you, Greg Layman. Thank you, Sean Carroll. Thank you, Sam
1: Harris. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, I, I I thank um, Dr. Mark Hyman, Hyman is- functional medicine doctor. It's a lot of good information there that really inspired oh, yeah. me to to, you know get into nutrition as we talked about earlier.
0: Yeah. Him and the humor man, uh, uh lab. Yeah. yeah. That's a great podcast. Um, when you first said Hyman, I thought you were talking about something else. <laughs> I thought you were going to say another, you know, get your vitamin D. Everyone yeah, goes well, good
1: with D. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, Dr. Hyman, make sure you get your D every day. <laughs> that's a bad joke.
1: Great. Yeah. Perfect.
0: It's, it's another dad joke.
1: Yep. I don't know.
0: But we want to say thank you. If it wasn't for you guys, uh, we probably wouldn't be doing this. So we appreciate your inspiration. And uh, hopefully one day we can meet you as a thank you personally. But either way, we're going to keep on going. So uh, that's all we have. Excellent. Thanks. Okay, good. So long.